Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Queering the Air. Um, my name is Jessie. I'm joined in the studio by the lovely Nikki. I am lovely. Thank you, Jessie. As always, we'd like to start off the show by acknowledging that Queering the Air and 3CR broadcast from land stolen from the Wurundjeri people and pay our respects to elders past and present. Today, Nikki and I are talking all about the wide world of sport. That's right. We love sports. It's interesting, actually. Um, we are maybe the two least interested people in sport yes. in the world. And uh, this is the second show that we've done on sport. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I Suckers for, you know, just gluttons for punishment or... Maybe. I think that it's because sport sort of encapsulates a really interesting uh, world of... Well, sport involves a lot of things. It involves physicality and embodiment and uh, gender and sexuality play into both of those things, as do lots of issues about ableism, capitalism, nationalism. It's a pretty, um, it's a pretty interesting representation of society at it's large. It's rife. Yeah. It is. It's fertile ground. Mm. Um, we're going to be hearing later on in the show uh, an interview. Let's call it a panel. <laughs> That we did with some um, lovely people, uh, a member of Melbourne Surge, an LGBTIQ water polo team, and a couple of players from the Brunswick Renegades, which is a women's AFL team as well. Mm. Um, Nikki, what's your experience with sport? Um, Sort of stop, start... And yeah, just never consistent. I've definitely attempted it a few times. I once got the mouth guard for field hockey. That's sort of where it started and ended. I never went to a single training session or anything, but I was committed enough to like get the prep in place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like organized team sports. No, definitely not something I've done. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. I think that the beginning of any sort of activism I ever did was campaigning against having to wear the sports uniform at school um, <laughs> and like recognize my right to say that I have my period every phys ed class constantly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um swimming s- swimming was just like that definitely for me yeah just like the entire class just I don't know there was some serious dysmenorrhea <laughs> happening or it was you know it was a sad time for everyone, but we got through it. So, I mean, yeah, I've never associated it with many positive – I don't have any positive memories. But for a lot of people, it is a really positive thing. It's a yeah. way to, um, I suppose, have satisfaction from their bodies, enjoy themselves. Uh, and I think that for, some, for, for quite a few people, maybe reclaim um, their physicality in a society that maybe doesn't appreciate um, – it doesn't appreciate their physical form. So uh, maybe for people uh, living with disabilities, uh, being able to participate in sport could be a really positive thing. Um, and, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, sport can be used to really draw a lot of boundaries for people. So um, I think we're quite familiar with the case of uh, Casta Semenya and uh, many others uh, who are people who uh, might 
in some contexts be defined as intersex and sport and uh, who participated in sport and uh, saw sporting bodies try to regulate their bodies and police whether or not they can be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's quite interesting the way that sports defines people. Yeah, definitely. And the way that, like, um, generations and, like, societies respond to sport and, like, the way that it's changed. And, yeah, I think it it is a real breeding ground for, like, you know, cultural and insecurities and, and fears that we have. But it is, as you say, very positive for a lot of people. So maybe we should hear from our good sporting buddies and hear what they have to say. About I think sport. we should. Just before we go to that, I just want to mention that the song that we heard at the top was Jamie yes. XX. Um, featuring Romy. It was called Loud Places. Loud Places. Mm. Like a Sporting stadium, perhaps. Perfect. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Let's hear from our friends uh, from the Brunswick Renegades and from Melbourne Surge. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Um, This is Jessie, and I'm here with Nikki, as always. Hello. Um, Trusty partner in crime. And uh, we're joined in the studio today by four wonderful athletes. (laughs) 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 True um, Adonises in the studio with us today, um, who are all going to tell us a little bit about um, their experiences with sport and sexuality and gender. So starting with you, Reg, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Um, my name is Regina Helley. I play for the Brunswick Renegades. Um, that's all the information I have on myself. <laughs> um, hi, my name's Anna, and I also play for the Brunswick Renegades. Hi, I'm Dan, and I also, too, play for the Brunswick Renegades. Hi, I'm James. Um, I play for uh, Melbourne Surge, which is a, a LGBTIQ uh, water polo team. Awesome. So um, starting with you first, James, I guess you've got an explicitly um, queer uh, team sport. How did how did the team um, start? Um, I'm not actually sure how it started. It started, I don't know, like 10 years ago or so. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's technically queer. It's more, it's functionally a gay male um, <laughs> team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for technically queer. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And with the Renegades, um, it seems like there's a healthy proportion of queer women who play. Um, Probably 90%, I would say. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. What would you say? I'd say that. Yeah. Make straight people out themselves yeah. when they join the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they're model minorities, I'm sure. Um, so what do you guys attribute that to? Um, Tough I questions right out the no, gate. Well, I guess we should say, sorry, Brunswick Renegades is a women's um, football team and we are in the VWFL. Um, And I don't know, I think there's definitely a high proportion of queer women in football. And maybe, like, one of my thoughts was that um, I think because it's, like, a male sport typically... Um, girls might feel maybe it stems from a place of like homophobia and I feel like girls feel oh if I play like football then people are going to call me like you know gay or whatever and yeah. I don't want to be gay so I'm not going to play footy yeah. and so maybe like if you're already queer you don't really give a shit so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that was my, my theory but I don't maybe know a bit more comfortable it. with your masculine side maybe mm. queer yeah. ladies I would say yeah so, so maybe there's like an undercurrent of all women are probably 
interested in sport mm-hmm. in some degree. Ourselves okay. excluded. <laughs> <laughs> the two most unfit women to be hosting a show about sport. But um, but maybe people are more comfortable to try it because because you. I would say that one of the things that holds me back from participating in sport is like vast insecurity that like binds me in all avenues of my life, but especially... (laughs) It's a separate show. (laughs) But I mean, like, I think that a lot of women are embarrassed to participate in sport. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that there is definitely a stereotype that it's like, you know, your big, strong, leso type. And I think a lot of, like, heterosexual women, because they're, like, bound by ideas about, you know, beauty ideals and stuff, it's like, oh, you don't want to do that. And I think a lot of women who exceed, like, do really well in sport then there are always questions of, like, you know, like, are you a real woman or, or like, maybe you're not, like, truly beautiful. Like, you know, I mean, like, Venus Williams, I feel, has, like, she dominates and then she's really undermined by, like, oh, but you're not hot. And it's like, who cares? Like, she is hot. Mm. But, like, you know, a lot of people who are her detractors are like, oh, you know, she's not a beautiful blonde and mm. so who's going to take her seriously? It's like, well, she's an athlete, so, you know. Uh, anyway, so yeah. that might be a concern for people who care more about, like, adhering to those kinds of, like, ideals. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's a real bastion of masculinity, too, which is why I think that when women do do well, it's like, well, they're pretty much, I mean, they're, they're pretty much blokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think it's true because, and then I think that's why, you know, that stereotype of, like, you know, sort of a strong butch lesbian playing sport is not threatening to, like, the sort of, like, masculine paradigm of sport, whereas the idea of, like, a Twinkie guy in the locker rooms is, like, really confronting, I think. Mm. Anyway. So, um, James, were you... Uh, did you play a lot of sport before joining your team? No, not at all, <laughs> ever. Really? Uh, no, I hated sport for classic kind of gay reasons, you know. <laughs> horrible experiences in high school, in primary school and high school and stuff. So, no, I've... Like, the last time I played a team sport other than water polo was when I was, like, five in the indoor cricket team and I got kicked off because I, like, didn't do anything. I just, like, lean against the nets. Um, so, yeah, this was really... Like, I joined about 18 months ago or maybe two years and it was a really, really new thing for me to do. Yeah, and what was the experience like when you joined? Um, terrifying and I hated the first six weeks. It was really horrible, especially because... Water polo is a really horrible sport, so um, hard, hard. <laughs> oh, okay. Sport. Like, it's very, very like, oh, difficult, and it, like right. it's super aggressive as well. There's like, it's kind of famous for being like super. Luke, the OC. Hardcore. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Did Luke yeah. on the OC? Play yes, water he played polo? water polo, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that it was like a really typically aggressive sport. Yeah, it's so it's like um, I can't remember what angels above the water, devils below. So like Ooh. you just like punch the crap out of each other below the water. But oh, you're not allowed to water. egg beaters. Yeah, you do Got egg beater, but you're not allowed to do do anything aggressive above the water where the ref can see. So oh. it all goes on below. So there's like footage of like the Olympic teams of like cameras underwater of guys like reaching into each other's jocks and squeezing testicles and like whoa that is full on yeah Roy and H- go for gold yeah Roy and HG did a hilarious like skit on it with all this footage from <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
Welcome back to Queering the Air. We just heard the E-Dozer remix of Special Affair by the Internet. And before that, we heard a little bit of our good friends from the Brunswick Renegades and from Melbourne Surge telling us all about their experiences being queer in sport. What Apollo, so violent, who knew? I had no idea. Angels above the water, devils below. I truly love that a lot. <laughs> I really, really love that so much. I feel like we learnt a lot in this interview. We have learnt a lot. Um, let's learn some more now with our good mates from the world of sport. Um, let's talk a little bit about diversity and inclusiveness in um in sport so james you mentioned that your team is is on paper and uh an lgbti um team but generally is gay men um do you attribute that to anything in particular yeah i think there's a whole bunch of factors so there's structural factors that make it difficult i think like you know water polo is not like a really popular sport it is kind of stereotyped as very aggressive and kind of particular um there's only men's and women's league there's no mixed league in victoria yeah a bunch of stuff but there's also specific cultural factors to our um club which i've kind of championed changing but is Mm. difficult so we do get some women that come along and we get a lot of women who are interested when we're doing our like recruitment drives but that just does not translate into women uh, long-term women members unfortunately and yeah, so I think there's a bunch of reasons. Yeah, yeah. And um and in terms of uh the Renegades, do you I know that you're a women's team, but do you have um much gender diversity in the team in terms of people who identify as maybe genderqueer or trans women or anything like that, to your knowledge? Uh yes, we did um have a transgender girl that played for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I don't think she got much flack from anyone. I think she was quite accepted. Within the team, she was definitely accepted. Um, I don't know about you girls, if you witnessed any kind of bullying on field or um, any kind of that stuff. But de- there's definitely a bit of stuff going on and from the crowd as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. people saying things. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, which, you know, I think it's a big thing for someone to even come down and get on the field and then you know to show up every week like yeah yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of guts i think and um yeah it's definitely something the i think the VWFL is looking into trying to um promote it as being more inclusive but yeah there's a a long way to go and of course there's issues with you know like the rules, like you have to prove that you're of a certain gender. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yep. think that yeah. there was wow. there was a particular incident which took place, um, and after that, uh, the VWL responded quite well. I think, yeah. and I know that um, uh, the girl on our team worked with the VWL on how to um, educate teams on transgender. Um, topics, issues, to open that conversation. So I think they dealt with it very well, but definitely on the field there was just a kind of air of like, this is kind of gross, you know. Oh. We, As in the other team was gross and we were very much, I think as a team we did very well in trying to protect her and making mm-hmm. sure that you know she didn't have to deal with anything, but um, everyone could be better at it. I yeah. guess that's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, so anyone looking to play for the Brunswick Renegade, <laughs> we yeah, more than more than welcome. Very open team yeah. and c- completely supportive. Our yeah. whole the whole goal of Brunswick Renegades is inclusive. Everyone's welcome. If you want to come and play, come and play. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, awesome. And what about um, I suppose racial diversity uh, is that something that you uh, is encounter as an issue in either of your sports? Personally, I've never witnessed anything that's. We're not very diverse or anything like that. I just we're 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 fairly fairly white team. We're a very white team. (laughs) European backgrounds, I would say. I'm talking European. Yeah. Yeah, not too diverse in in that in that way. No, Mm. unfortunately. But again, anyone that wants to come and play, we're completely open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same for us. Water polo is kind of a, a, a blue collar sport as well, kind of like a wealthier kind of sport. Yeah. Like all the teams are university teams or like private school teams generally. Mm. And we train at a private school because they're the only ones with water polo pools. Um, cause you can't you have a like, pool? yeah, you can't have shallow, kind oh, of a deep, yeah. end, deep end shallow end. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to be like 30 meters long and a consistent depth, uh, the whole way along. So like 2.3 meters, I think, is the depth or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, kind of the same. Pretty homogenous. Yeah. Uh, culture-wise, a couple of exceptions, but not many. And do you guys? Can you guys think of any solutions to that or ways forward? Are there any things that you think that sports could be doing to be more culturally inclusive? Just the big questions. Just throwing it at you. How do you solve this long entrenched problem? I mean, water polo doesn't have much money as a industry in Victoria, and the club certainly don't have heaps of money, but everything costs a lot. Mm. So I think that's a real, like, the caps and everything mm. costs, like, heaps. Really? Like a swimming cap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, like, special ones which you need to have, like, oh, the, ear the ear protectors, protectors. Mm. and you need to order the whole lot. You can't order one at a time. You need to order a team set. Mm. So it's like... Over a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. stupid, real stupid. So I think Sports. stuff like that is just so yeah constrains our capacity to really do community mm. Um, mm. engagement. And again, just because the teams are like, you know, they're from Monash University or Melbourne University, and then they've graduated and they've continued on, so they just mm. don't have that community outreach mm. kind of I thing would going on. Say for the for the women's league. The younger girls, I think their teams are a lot more diverse. Okay. You see different nationalities, a lot of black, a lot of black girls and, mm. and Asians and stuff like that. So mm. I think the the younger generation that's way more diverse than than, than the older girls for some reason. Mm. That's really I think the footy is extremely accessible, mm-hmm. as in um, even with buying the costume slash uniform slash jersey, whatever we want to call it. Um, if you want to pay over a few weeks, you don't have the money up front, then that will be sorted out for you. So I think that the guys do a really good job of making it accessible and also getting sponsorship mm. from local businesses to mm. bring down those costs as well. Aussie mm. Rules is like a much bigger, like Absolutely. culturally, I yeah. mean, obviously, it's like the sport here, you know, finals fever, etc. Shout-outs <laughs> last Saturday in September, etc. Oh, yeah, this will be airing <clears throat> um, after the grand finals. Woody, um, <laughs> we all support the team <laughs> that made it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, um, I don't know. 
But yeah, I don't know. I've, I've often wondered though, with especially with women's football, because now there's a real drive for like, you know, this should be like a bigger thing and like girls should be playing it and why aren't we getting the same kind of recognition and stuff. But often with like, like with anything that wants to gain sort of awareness and that kind of stuff, you, there's that assimilationist sort mm-hmm. of thing of like, hey, we're just a bunch of girls good at sport. And so I wonder if like that sort of, all white, long haired, pretty athletic thing is sort of an image that people would be more comfortable with to push and maybe why like have you ever experienced like someone being almost like annoyed that you guys are queer in the sport in that you do subscribe to that stereotype of like you're queer and you're good at sport and you're playing footy? From like within the football community or Oh, just in general. Um, yeah, I think we really embrace it. I think we're like, very yeah, proud. We really queer. love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, everyone has tattoos. Everyone is gay. This is the best. I think <laughs> we're very proud of it. It's um, across the board, really, though. Yeah. Within all the teams, for I think sure. There's I think a huge queer percentage of girl players across the board. I would say. Yeah. I would have to say, in terms of like the marketing of um, women's yeah. AFL, often they use images of that kind of like yeah that's what i'd been seeing on the news straight looking i guess yeah girls um and also i think with um younger when they market towards younger people as well like juniors and stuff it's very yeah a certain image they like to push yeah Yeah, absolutely um Mm. yeah and very even in the actions that they're doing i think you know it's never like there's a guy who takes photos at most of our football games and like they're really great and but it's not like a photo the typical photo like a marketing company would be like oh I don't want to use that because you actually look like you're yeah you're being aggressive and you're like you know mm. really getting stuck in and mm. yeah so they don't like to use what you actually yeah. look like you want someone <laughs> with long hair leaping yeah, for the yeah, ball exactly. like <laughs> yeah yeah so. going for that mark <laughs> yeah. going the distance hmm Hi and welcome back to Queering the Air. Uh, this is Jessie, I'm in the studio with Nikki. Hello, hello. And today we're talking all about sport. So we just heard um, from a few members of the Brunswick Renegades and a member from Melbourne Surge, um, James, Dan, Reg and Anna, um, all about... Uh, all things of diversity and inclusion mm. in sport, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's interest. I mean, it's not surprising, but it was interesting that um, all members of our panel um, discussed just like how homogenous it is—a real Caucasian nation mm. on the field or in the pool. Um, it's interesting the way that that works out. I think that that's often. It seems to be often the way in organised sports. Not yeah. always, but well, Dan I, also mentioned that in some of the younger teams there is there does seem to be more racial diversity. Yeah, which definitely. is um, definitely a positive thing, which is nice to see. Yeah, um, I thought it was also interesting. Like, I think at the end, Anna might have touched on a bit the representation of um, female footballers now that it's sort of becoming a big thing and the marketing sort of materials surrounding it. And I just wanted to mention that since we recorded that interview, um, the age published a um, 
it was an interview, just coverage about the Brownlows and how they had like a couple of female footballers who were invited and who were going to be presenting awards. And the image for it was this woman sitting on a couch with a football in this huge pink fluffy ball gown. And I was like, that's enough. Like that'll do pig, but I foolishly read it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really upsetting because they interviewed two, the two players and they're both like, you know, total guns at it. And one of them has won like the women's football equivalent of the Brownlow, like six times or something. Um, but they still had to sort of say, she'll be taking her boyfriend and she's also a midwife. And she was like, I was really excited. I love the Brownlows. I follow the voting. Like I know I'm all across it. And so I was like, yes. But then I was also like, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? And I was like, come on, you know, like it was just like, and the other one, they talked about how she was like, I'm really amped. It's going to be great. I'm taking my dad and getting a spray tan. And it was just like, okay, well, I mean, I feel like they probably wouldn't talk like if they were covering male sports. Yeah, like who have been nominated for the award. It wouldn't be like, are you getting a spray tan or not? Discuss. Well, I always find that interesting um, media coverage of uh, things that you can tell the media is worried might be rife with stereotypes. And so I I think that it's great that they're showing women um, who enjoy certain aspects of feminine adornment and sport at the same time Mm. but at the same but I am always a bit wary of the mainstream media's need to reassure readers that gender the gender binary won't be destabilized and you know I think it plays into people's fears rather than trying to break them down sometimes and that really bums me out yeah it is such a bummer it is such a bummer because women at the Brownlows are traditionally just like you know Rebecca Twigley in the dress, it's always like, what are they wearing? And that's it. Like, who are they? Who cares? Mm. And so the fact that, like, these women are here and they're going to be presenting these awards and that's really exciting. And then, but let's also, though, get back to what are they going to wear? So it is, it is disappointing. Oh, well. Let's hear a little bit more from um, the interview that we did with our great panel of athletes. Do you think that there is an aspect of, um, homophobia in mainstream sports Absolutely. completely yeah for sure yeah i mean there, there is going to be a pride match next year mm-hmm. so um it's a sydney and st kilda and, yeah i'm gonna be i think i mean look, classic it's, it's very small yeah ah did it's they do very, that on purpose i'm behind the yeah. time oh, apparently, <laughs> makes sense. apparently essendon were um because every team has i guess like collingwood has the pink magpies and mm. oh, yeah, purple yeah. bombers as yeah. essendon's and apparently those guys put in a lot of work to make it happen but then you know having it as sydney and st kilda is pretty good you can bring it back to marty grand pride um but it's a small thing but it's awesome I think that, yeah, it's, it's, but it's definitely a homophobia is still there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to a game recently and someone, um, called Sarah Shek Faggot for mm. the players. And I was like, oh man, I just don't want to be here. This is the yeah. worst. Mm. It was just one incident. Um, mm. but it's like, it's always there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Has that been your experience as well? Um, people shouting faggot or? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, have, have you also witnessed, um, I guess, homophobia in sport? And has that been something that until... Yeah, like at school, maybe. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like before I mm. joined uh, Surge and, yeah, when I used to, like, go to the footy games um, as, like, a teenager and kind of a kid with my 
parents and stuff. Yeah, there was totally homo- level, level of homophobia there. And there is in the games we play as well. Like, it's not explicit, but it's kind of that underlying, like, I think when you said atmosphere or mm-hmm. something, like, mm-hmm. so we're supposed to all, so at the end of a water poly game, you're supposed to cheer for the other team. You go, like, three cheers for Melbourne Surge or something. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the teams just don't do that for us. They just oh, get wow. out of the pool. Really? <laughs> yeah. So do you guys... Like, your team name is very much like we are a gay team. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're known, very much known as the gay team, Pink Bathers. Yeah. Ooh. All the way. Yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and is that something that you think keeps queer people out of sport? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was a big part of the reason I wouldn't play sport or don't like, you know, haven't played sport. Mm. Mm. Um, has that ever kept anyone that you guys know from playing sport? I would say it's a different it's a different vibe with women's sport because mm. it's generally predominantly gay women. It's a lot easier, but I suppose in the you know in the gay man world it's, it's a mm. bit harder because a lot of straight men play sport. So it's a completely different vibe, I think. Mm. That's my personal experience. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, when I was at school, there was uh, I was friends with a girl who was a really great hockey player, and I think she went on to get like a hockey scholarship in the US and. Um, and I said, and she was straight and I said, you know, there's got to be loads and loads of gay girls on your hockey team. And she was like, no, none. I was like, really? Really? <laughs> Are you sure? And she was like, absolutely not. That's like a very rude thing to say. And I was like, well, firstly, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but also, um, it's funny, I, I suppose, yeah, I think that maybe even straight women who play sport, unfortunately, want to distance themselves mm. from yeah. the stereotype. When you're... In primary school, it's like, it's cool to be a tom- tomboy. Like, everyone's like, that's cool. You're good at sport. You like climbing trees. You're a kid. And then I think that for a lot of people, you get to a certain age and it's like, well, you've outgrown that now, though, right? Like, why have you not, you know, pick up a Cosmo already? Like, <laughs> and I don't mean the drink. Not underage drinking. I mean the magazine for women. Real women, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Sealed sections. Yeah. Mm. And, um... For the Renegades, um, have you always been interested in sport uh, for your whole lives, or is this a recent thing? Yes, I've also I've always been interested in sports. Um, I grew up playing sports at school. Um, I think team sports is just something I've always enjoyed. I think it's been a real. Um, I've kind of used sport as a means to um, cheat my way into Australian life <laughs> by. Um, you know, talking about footy, and you know, it started off just as a way to kind of speak to people and have something sharing a common interest at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just good social kind of. I have no mm-hmm. idea what I'm saying right now. I'm going to stop talking. Can we edit <laughs> no. all of that. <laughs> no, thanks. And I'm just cut. <laughs> no, but that all makes sense. I think that people <laughs> did it all. Uh, it did. It yeah. did because I think that um, people, especially with AFL, associate it with some sort of Australian national identity. Mm. And and similarly, I think that for people who are into it and who understand it um, and love it, that can be a real way to break down uh, social barriers or linguistic barriers or mm. cultural barriers. But likewise, I think that maybe for people who aren't interested in sport, that can be a really easy way to... Um, a really quick path to fake it till you make it. Oh, well. Wait. <laughs> I thought you were going to go to a different way with that. But what I meant is that, like, you know, if you're not if you're not someone who's typically interested in sport, um, maybe if you are 
uh, a more feminine presenting uh, gay kid or if or if you're just like somebody who isn't interested in that side of life at all that can be a pretty difficult thing as well so mm. it works both ways I think yeah. Mm. yeah I always really wanted to be good at sport like I was forced to do ballet for about seven years when I was a kid like I railed against it like every year of my life like I hated it so much and I always wanted to be like yeah, I wanted to be able to play footy, but I was, like, so bad at it. Like, the only time I got to do it was, you know, in PE when you have the one class, you know, in Term 2 or whatever, where it's, here's the footy class, and, like, truly, just, like, so bad. And I wanted to be good, like, but I was so bad. Oh. And I feel like definitely if you're a girl and you're, like, naturally athletic, that's fine. But, like, I don't think that you're supposed to, like... I don't think you're... I think that boys are allowed to just, like, apply themselves to sport more. Or they're forced to, maybe. But um, if you're a girl and you're, like, you don't naturally just, like, pick it up and, like, yay, um, this is me kicking. I'm motioning the kick <laughs> in the studio for our listeners at home. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's sort of like, well, you gave it a go, like pick up the Babysitter's Club again, which is, you know, I mean, I loved the Babysitter's Club, but... Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's why a lot of women don't get into sport and young girls is because they're terrified because they're not superstar athletes. Mm. So they shy mm. away from it a lot. And I, a lot of my friends would love to play, but they just they just say, I can't kick a ball, I can't catch, I would, I would never do it. Mm. But they, they would love to do it, but they just feel completely mm. terrified that they're going to be laughed at or picked mm. on and stuff like yeah. that, which would never happen. But I... I that's my experience. And even in primary school stuff, I was always really sporty, but a lot of girls would shy away from playing sports because they just weren't good at it. So, mm. you know. Yeah, I think there's, um, for women, I think there's sort of an expectation of being, like, if you're not naturally good at it, then you'll never learn because you're a woman and, you you know, mm. you couldn't possibly. Yeah. Um, whereas, I don't know, yeah, maybe it's different mm. for guys. But mm. that's what I felt, I think. yeah. I definitely heard a lot, women don't understand offside. <laughs> like, you know, that women just like purely won't, you know, by some intrinsic part of their Gaia Mother Earth loving nature, yeah. like won't understand the complicated rules behind sport. It does seem hard. It seems very <laughs> difficult. Um, yeah, I guess I think um, that idea also about like being embarrassed or whatever, I guess women are trained to be like more aware of like being watched in their bodies and like, you know, your appearance like at all times. So it makes sense that you're more like self-conscious mm. about falling over or just like looking like an idiot and like trying to kick the ball and it going the wrong way every yeah. time. Although <laughs> You, James, you talked about being a bit self-conscious uh, about playing sport when you were younger as well. So mm. it doesn't just apply to women, mm. I suppose. No, and I think like you know, if you get if you're a gay or a queer boy, mm. um, when you're growing up, you're kind of very con- like conscious, but not necessarily conscious of being conscious that you're kind of excluded from those like masculine rituals, and then sport is just centered within that so much that you know you just like. Even if you are good at it, you kind of know that you're not supposed to be there mm. um, in a huge way. So that's why I was just always, yeah, very, very resistant to any sport. Jesse, did you ever try? Did you ever try to do any sports? Uh, no, I did gymnastics when I was a kid. Um, mm. 
Oh, no, but I, like, had to do, like, a sporting requirement in, like, year 11 and 12 to fill out, like... Oh, Jesse did the International Baccalaureate. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, like, regular school. You have to do a thesis. There's philosophy. It's a whole thing. Anyway, tell us about it. Well, I was so resistant to the idea of doing 30 hours of sport over two years (laughs) that I um, joined, like, that I... Me and my friend uh, Eugenie decided, like, you know what doesn't seem like a sport but is technically a sport? Circus. So we, like, spent two years doing, like, Yoho Diablo in the gymnasium <laughs> and, and, like, ticked off those hours every week. But and that's, that's, yeah. that's as much sport as I've really That's played. a classic, like, queer woman's sport, though. There's the yeah. women's circus that's and it's true. just, like, you know, it's filled with us. Um, so, you know... I mean, maybe that's you true. knew even then. No, um. But that's as far as I got. And it sounds yeah. like maybe you aren't um, as sporty either. So thank you very, very much to our guests for mm. educating us about uh, yes. the topic of sport. Yes. No worries. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank and you. Go teams. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to 3CR Radio. Hiya, welcome back to Queering the Air. Before we heard MIA with Only One You. Today we are talking sports. Sports. Football. Football. Hockey. Hockey, the world game. The world game. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> Who bas- could forget the puck of life sung by Ricky Martin for the Hockey World Cup? <laughs> Classic. Classic. As was the interview that we just heard from our friends uh, Anna, Dan and Reg from the Brunswick Renegades. And, and James, a new friend. And new friend James. From Surge. From Melbourne Surge. Um, and they talked in that last segment a bit about, uh, I suppose, barriers to entry to sport, to put a really uh, crap finance <laughs> phrase onto it. Barriers to entry to the market of sport. Um, and uh, including homophobia, um, but also including uh, things like confidence for yeah. women. And also just, like, the cost of, like, gear and stuff, which is, like, definitely that makes sense to be, like, a huge barrier for so many people. Well, that's something that I hadn't really thought of before. Um, I think that because I just stopped at the emotional barrier that I had yeah. to sport and hadn't thought about what it would be like <laughs> to buy gear. I hadn't even gotten to that phase. But um, it makes me think about um, how much sport plays a role in um, community organising as well. And I think that you and I um, as 
who who definitely fall on like the nerd side of the nerds v jocks. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment and thank you. Uh, war um, can can rag on sport a little bit sometimes. Uh, all in good fun, but um, I think that you know community sport it plays a really big role in uh, in bringing together people of different backgrounds and um, offering financial support, offering um, emotional support for people. Um, Definitely. And it yeah. creates new opportunities for people potentially where they wouldn't have it before. Like, I mean, we don't really have the same sort of sporting scholarship culture that the states have and stuff, but it definitely opens doors and, you know, that's not to be discounted either. Like, Absolutely. And Reg was talking about using sport as a way into Australian life uh, as a sort of common language with people. And I think that that can make a really big difference, especially in migrant communities. Yeah, I actually listened to an interview on the radio um, a few months ago with a guy who'd emigrated from, I think he was from Sri Lanka, and he was talking really in detail about how he selected his AFL team that he went for. And, like, it was based on, like, not just the mascot and which one would, like, had the greatest, like, symbolic meaning to him, but also the colours and just, like, which one, like, I don't like that colour. And, like, and then also, (laughs) like, which ones were doing well in the latter that year that he happened to move, which obviously is always subject to change. But he glory was hunters that- are the worst man. Those people who <laughs> sign on, glory hunters. Well, you know, look, he he picked a good team in the end, and he was saying that it was a really great way, yeah, to bond with all his new like um, co-workers and that kind of thing. But he got so into it and found himself like crying at games and just like it becomes a really like emotional thing for people I think yeah as you say it not only brings people together I think it really brings out a lot of emotions and as someone who has fallen on the nerds of (laughs) in the nerds v jocks war to end all wars I have to admit that I have been that person who's cried at grand final really not i've not been in the stands i mean i'm not there amongst the hullabaloo but i may have cried in the privacy of my living room wow yeah so that's the thing too and i think it's really interesting um it's one sport is one of the few places where you can see men cry in public yes oh it's my favorite part of the grand final oh really Oh my God. Let me just tell you the team that lose, they just like throw themselves on the ground, so defeated and they just weep and cry. And the other team are like up there cheering and like in front of them and there's streamers and they're holding this cup and they don't even stand up. They just like sit there the entire ceremony. Like just, Oh God, I love it. (laughs) Male pain. Yeah. And also just like the shots to the people in the audience and they're all like weeping and like, I love it. I think that I might have been converted during the course of this episode. <laughs> I might try to watch a sporting match. Just like male pain, you say. Yeah. All, like, right. all right. This doesn't sound so bad. I could get into this. Yeah. Um, we want to finish up by saying thank you so much to um, to Anna, Reg, Dan and James for joining us and yes, educating you. us, our yes. little nerd brains, all about sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for listening to Queering the Air. Thanks for being in the studio, Nikki. Oh, thank you, Jesse. And if you uh, missed out on the start of this episode, you can always go to 3cr.org.au slash queeringtheair and have a listen to its streaming and it'll also be available to download on podcast. And make sure to check out our Facebook page, uh, which you can find by going on Facebook and searching for Queering the Air as well. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. Have a great grand final weekend. To finish up, we're going to listen to my favorite song at the moment. This is Marina and the Diamonds with Fruit. Mm-hmm.